0: Hi, this is Dr. Kimberly Leonard, and you're listening to Incredible Life Creator Podcast. My guest today is Lauren Malik. Lauren Malik is a coach who helps professionals at career crossroads chart purposeful paths and make confident choices. She educates, inspires, empowers individuals to make happiness a priority so that they can love their work and life more. Welcome to the podcast, Lauren. Thanks for having me, Kimberly. Yes. So why don't we start out by you telling us a little bit about you, where you grew up, how you started out. And I know you've done a lot of pivots through your careers. So you're definitely uh, can help other people with that.
1: I would love to. I actually just had this moment where I thought to myself, is the door to this room locked? Because if not, children are going to barge in any minute. So let me just check that. Is that okay? Yeah. One second cute children. Okay. Yes. You hear that? Yeah. So I am talking to you from lockdown due to COVID, Yes. Yeah. where I'm sure you and a lot of your listeners can understand the difficulty of finding private spaces. Exactly. So let's go back to your story. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. So, where do I start? I'm from Toronto. I'm a Canadian. I was born in Toronto. I was raised in the suburbs of Toronto. And I never knew what I wanted to do when I grew up. I was never someone who wanted to be a doctor, a scientist, or an actor. I was just a regular, average kid. And I studied at uh, McGill University, which is in Montreal, and I think I was fortunate that my parents allowed me to study what I wanted and what I was interested in. They never, they never pressured me to be anything either. Um, there was never an expectation that I take over the family business or be an accountant or anything like that. So I pursued my own interests, which at the time were religious studies, cultural studies. Um, and most of my, you know, most of my education was in the liberal arts. And when, so when I graduated, I had no sense of what would be possible for me. And I, my friends were getting jobs. They were buying suits and shoes and I had no clue what was up for me. And at the time, my mother had her own small business and she was in sales in women's fashion. And she gave me my first real job, I guess you could say, although maybe it's not considered a real job when your mother gives it to you. Um, Hang on. Can we pause this for a sec? Is that possible? So I took that first job and I actually learned a lot. Now that I, now that I look back on it, I can see what I learned mostly about sales, um, but also about what it was like to actually love your work which my mother did, she, her work was her expression of who she was in the world. It was so purely her and she could fully be herself. She was known all throughout really our city for who she was and what she did. We'd go places to be like, I know you from somewhere. Um, It wasn't necessarily for me, but I could see what it was like to actually really love your job. And have it um, give you give, be part of so p- fully a part of your identity, um, but I knew I didn't want to do that forever, and so I went back to school and I studied fundraising because in my life I've always wanted to give back and help others, and so I imagine that well you probably do that in the not-for-profit space, mm-hmm. that's where people who want to change the world go. And so I did that and I worked as a fundraising consultant. I helped nonprofits raise money online, which was at the time an emerging field. And I, within a year, I realized I had kind of reached the ceiling of what I was going to learn at that company. And I wanted to learn more. I wanted to be challenged and I wanted to go to the corporate sector, but having a liberal arts degree, no business studies, no business knowledge. I thought, Oh gosh, no one's going to hire me. And so what i what I started doing and I also didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I started just talking to people. I'd go to parties, I'd be out with friends and I would just ask everyone, what do you like? What do you do? What do you like about what you do? What don't you like about what you do? And I remember my now husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, told me he thought it was really boring that I wanted to talk about work all the time and namely other people's work but I liked it and through that process, someone said to me, you would actually make a great recruiter cause you're really curious about people and you're really good with them. And I have a friend who's got a company and they're looking for someone. And so that began my life as a corporate headhunter and I spent 10 years doing that work. And it was, I learned a lot. I mean, I, did, I worked at a financial services firm which placed investment bankers and private equity investors and traders and words I had no idea about what they were. So every day I was learning and every day I was being challenged and every day I was growing. And I spent 10 years doing that. And then once a decade came around and I was with that company through, you know, everything, my father's death, my marriage, my children being born. And it was a small family business. So we're all super, super close. And at the, at around the 10 year mark, I thought, I got to really think about what I'm going to do going forward. Is this what I want to do forever? Mm -hmm. Or is this what I did? And now what am I going to do next? And that was when I had my big sit down with myself about what I wanted my life to look like going forward, what I wanted to learn, what I wanted to contribute. Um, and that was kind of the beginning of this stage that I'm in right now and led to my work as a coach and led to my work helping people who are thinking about that question for themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of people are asking that right now with everything changing right now and so many things that we thought were going to be stable and there for us. It's not necessarily stable and there for us. Yeah. So as people are looking at their situations, some because they're forced out, some because they're saying, oh, this is an opportunity. I wasn't happy where I was. What kind of questions should they be
1: asking themselves? I mean, I think you're so right. And I think that's a great question. I can tell you what I asked myself. um, And I'm not sure it's the right question for everyone. It's the right question for the people that are attracted to working with me. Um, But the, the question that I ask myself is, what does success mean to me? And at the end of my life, may it be long, long, long away in the future, um, will I look back and feel as though I truly lived a life of meaning, a life that was true to myself, and a life that I can be proud of? That's how I oriented my journey. and I, I think it's I think it's fairly fairly helpful universally, um, but that's that's kind of the questions I was asking myself at that time.
0: So the next question that comes up for me then is, how
1: do we create meaning in life? Hmm. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I first started thinking about what am I going to do next, um, one of the exercises. I worked with a coach and one of the exercises she took me through, which I now do with all my clients was envisioning myself a few years down the road and kind of what did I see for myself? And, you know, I saw myself in the same house, in the same kitchen, with the same partner and the same kids. But the difference for me was that I was fully in it rather than just, you know, Going through the motions of life and always being distracted and busy and whatever. And so, your quest, going back to your question about how do we create meaning, I think we create meaning by figuring out what's most important to us in our lives and what our values that we hold most dear are. And then we try to align our actions with those values. Mm-hmm. That does makes that make sense? sense? Yeah, it really does. It's kind of a roundabout answer, but. Because I know
0: sometimes for some people, you know, just trying to make as much money as they can, that's important. For me, it's always been I want quality time mm-hmm. to be able to spend with myself, with my loved ones, and to just pursue my things that I enjoy doing, like art. Um, so I'll be willing to make less money so that I can enjoy those things. And for someone else, it's the complete opposite. They're like, okay, I'll give up the vacations. I'll give up everything. I'll give up my weekend because, you know, I just want to have a big nest egg when I'm ready to retire. I mean, everybody's, is different.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think it's really important for everyone to determine what values they want to design their life around, because it really is so personal. Like for some people, having that sense of accomplishment means, you know, and having the financial success and the security and really feeling like they made themselves that way is so important to them and how they want to be remembered. And for other people, it's their creativity, right? Or knowing that they spend quality time with the people that they loved. Um, or for other people, it's, you know, community, um, or, you know, self-expression. So yeah, it's really, I think, important that everyone start with the question of what matters most to me and how do I want to design my life around that. Mm-hmm. And I'm also
0: thinking about as you're speaking about the balance between having the meaning and then there's the security piece. But then there's the self-expression or the, the the freedom piece. So you know, how do we balance uh, uh, you know the security with the creativity? Um, I know that's different for each person.
1: Yeah, it's funny. It reminds me of the phrase, like you know, we want it all, right? Like, and can we have it all? Um, and I think we can, but it's just to what degree right? Like, can we have it all? Like, can we have all the money and all the time and all the self-expression all the time? So I think we can have most of the stuff most of the time and some of the stuff some of the time. Um, I think also, it depends on what stage of life we're at, you know, like there are certain stages of life, I think we're some of our priorities are different than others and so we have to consider that Um, and and that's where I think this idea of like I'm sure many people would agree many people would probably say yes you can have it all and you should have it all and you should want it all what I think I believe is you can have most of the stuff most of the time or some of the stuff some of the time and accept that that's enough Mm -hmm. and be happy with what you have yes does that make
0: sense it does and also i'm thinking through life sometimes some things become priority over other things so when you have small children most of the time you're gonna have to spend more time with the small children than you are when they're in high school or college and they're kind of on their own
1: yeah, I think so. So like early in my career, I worked a lot and I loved working and I loved the feeling of making my numbers and getting my bonuses and earning money because I felt so accomplished and proud of myself. And then when I had my kids, I realized, well, actually, I don't, I don't care about that as much right now. Now I care about being around them. So if it means I have to sacrifice that, I'm willing to do that because I'm doing it in service of this meaningful um, purpose that I have for my children, and I think as they get older, and even now as they're getting older, my my priorities are shifting again. Right now, I'm interested in building my business and this idea of my is the business is you know an expression of myself in the world. So I think we have to be okay with where we're at and accept where we're at instead of looking over our shoulder thinking. Well, maybe I should be doing that other thing instead. Maybe what I want isn't good enough. Maybe I should want that too.
0: Yeah, and and being dissatisfied doesn't help anyone feel any better. So no, definitely
1: not. <laughs> so it's when, not conducive to your best work, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and and so when people are making a decision, let's they're let's say they're at a crossroads, and they have some different options. And they, you know, it's time for them to make a decision. How do they feel confident about the decision they're making?
1: Such a good question. I think people come to feel confident in a couple of ways. I think they come to feel confident by knowing that they actually have explored their options. Mm -hmm. So they didn't just go with option A. They explored option A, they explored option B, they explored option C. And then they realized that given what they'd, what the costs and benefits of each of those options would be, actually maybe option A makes the most sense. And so they can accept it more because they know they did their due diligence. So that's the part I think is really important for anyone who's looking to make Changes to their work or changes in their life is to really set some time aside and in a diligent way come up with their options And then spend some time dating their options Sometimes I like to call it and then figuring out which one of their options they want to marry And then once you do that once you decide The next thing you must do is move on (laughs) And let go Right. Because you have to just t- move forward with what your choice was and, and feel good about it. But but to your to your question, I think it's really about having spent some time really researching, talking to people, thinking it through. It enforces their decision. Mm-hmm. And then the other way people really come to feeling confident about their choice is when they have spent time figuring out what their priorities and their values are, and they know that they're making their choice in line with that value.
0: Yeah, so important.
1: That is so important. And and actually, it's interesting because many of the people I work with, when we start working together, they they'll it'll often start with, I think I need to quit my job, but I can't because It pays the mortgage. I've got kids in private school. Like I just can't quit my job. But at the same time, I have to quit my job because I'm so miserable and unhappy. And a lot of my clients do end up staying in their job and in their career. But they end up doing so with a sense of it having been their choice to stay because they've done the work of figuring out what's great about it what it offers them, what the alternatives could look like for them, the costs and benefits of those alternatives, and then also what their agency is within their choice to make it better. Mm -hmm. Because even in staying there are always ways to make it better and sometimes that looks like shifting your perspective and it can be an internal change, but other times, and most often for the people I work with, they're actually really doing things to make things better. Like they, they, if they're missing and craving a sense of creativity, they might take a painting class mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the job that they hated, they don't hate as much because now they're taking time to paint, mm-hmm. you know, or they might choose to leave three days a week to go do yoga, you know, or something that's good for their health. Um, or they may, you know, choose to not check their phone on the weekends anymore and just go skiing with their kids. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those changes make them much happier and they didn't necessarily have to leave. They just have had to maybe shift gears a little bit in other parts of their life. Wow, that's
0: great advice. I love that. And let's say someone is actually in a career and they love their career but we all want to be our best selves. How do you show up every day to whatever you're doing, just being at your best?
1: Again, this, I I don't know if everyone agree with this, but I think the first thing is accepting that you're not going to be at your best every day, Mm -hmm. right? This idea that like we can be these automatons who are just always killing it, always the best, always kind, always bold, always this. It's like, ridiculous we're just not made that way so let's I would re-kind of frame that to like how can I be my best most of the time Mm -hmm. you know or as much of the time as I as I can um and I think there's 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 the way to do that is first of all figure out what who are you at your best Mm -hmm. like when you're at your very best what are your strengths what are your um Character strengths You know, uh, what are you offering to people and what are you? Contributing and then once people have a really clear sense of who they are at their best It's a lot easier for them to step into that role when they need to because they have a really clear vision of like actually when I'm at My best like I'm compassionate. I'm funny I'm helping others I'm patient, you know, they they know that, they know that person they're trying to be. Um, and I think the other way we try to be our best most of the time is by managing the parts of ourselves in our minds that, you know, keep us from that. Mm-hmm. So that could be the parts of ourselves that are super judgmental of other people, or a super judgmental of ourselves, or are scared, or are hurt, or are angry. And but we need to get to know, I guess what I'm trying to say is, to be our best, most of the time, we need to know our lightest self, and we need to know our darkest self, and we need to know how to be in both of those spaces.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. The way you said that. And as as you're speaking, I was thinking about, you know, a lot of people are actually in leadership roles and this is the hundred thousand dollar question. What makes a good leader or how
1: do you lead? Well, I think, I think it goes back to that question of best self. I, I think good leaders know what they're really good at. And they try to spend as much time in the space of, goodness as they can. And they know how to surround themselves with other people who have other spaces of goodness. Mm -hmm. And they know how to keep, inspire them to stay in their spaces of goodness. Um, I think that's what makes a good leader. And also someone who probably does have access to their dark side, knows how to use it and when to use it, but also knows when to contain it. So I guess a tremendous sense of self-awareness and a tremendous sense of self-regulation. Yeah, self-regulation,
0: that's a key to so many things for kids and adults. (laughs) That's one of the things we're always trying to teach our kids so that when they get to be adults, they can actually easily do that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think and I think self-regulation is like it's not about turning stuff off or setting it aside or suppressing it. It's just knowing I don't I don't know if this is a good metaphor because I'm actually really terrible at manual stick shift driving, but I think it's kind of like that. Right? It's like knowing when to gear up, knowing when to gear down, being feeling a sense of mastery over the different tools that you have to move forward in life.
0: Now I know with your coaching, sometimes you work one-on-one, sometimes you work with groups. Will you talk a little bit about what kind of things you offer to people and who would be the person who'd come to
1: see you? Yeah, sure. So I, I, work with people who, I just wrote a great phrase down the other day. It was kind of like, is your career having a midlife crisis? (laughs) So I work with people who often feel like they're having some kind of existential crisis. It's often around this idea of I'm already grown up and I'm not sure what I want to be when I grow up Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life and time feels like it's ticking. And the people that I work with tend to experience the crisis, mostly in the domain of their work. I think it's because we spend most of our time at work. Although COVID may flip this all on its head. I think people are having lots of realizations right now, but the pain point is strong because they spend so much time and so much energy in their work and it takes them away from their families and it takes them away even from their vacation and leisure moments because the phone's buzzing and the stress is there and they're asking themselves if it's worth it. And if it's not, what else is possible? So those are the people I work with. They're, that That's where they're experiencing this sense of a crisis. And we go on a journey together. And the first stage of the journey is really, in a way, it's a pause. And it's just stopping and looking inward to figure out this question of, Okay, well, let's say things were ideal. Let's say you could be at your best. What would you be doing? What, what strengths do you have? What skills have you developed? What do you value? What is the picture of you at your best look like? Um, and that's really helpful for people because first of all, it tells them what kind of work might make sense for them. But it also helps someone later down the road when they have to communicate themselves to the world, whether it be in an interview or um, in an elevator pitch or a networking meeting. They actually know what to say because they've done the due diligence on themselves. And so once they have a really clear picture on who they are at their best, the next stage is the brainstorming stage where we actually come up with those options And it's not just what would it look like for you to stay and become a partner at the law firm that you're already at. It's what's option B and what's option C, you know, and what could those look like? Um, I think people make better choices when they have more options, but not too many options. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: A lot of people get bogged down when they have too many options and then they just start going crazy. And then once we brainstorm some solid options that they feel excited about the next stage is that dating the future and and kind of doing some due diligence on each one of those paths to really understand like okay so you're going to leave the firm you're en route to being a partner what would it look like to start this bakery that you think you've already wanted to start you know what does it really look like to do that and 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 what would be the costs and opportunities associated with that and then they start kind of doing, they actually go out into the world and talk to people who own bakeries and, you know, maybe even take a course on baking and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then comes that choice point, which you talked about earlier, which is when the the individual has to decide which path they're going to take. Um, and they they run that choice through their head, they run that choice through their heart, they run that choice through their gut. And they make the choice, whatever it may be. And there's, you know, a lot of emotions that are involved in that as well. Because every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think the outcome of it is that people feel so much more, uh, such a greater sense of autonomy because they've gone through the exercise of they've gone through the exercise of making a choice. So instead of it feeling like, oh, where did my life go? All these choices kind of just happened and I didn't really make them. It's like, no, like we're actually really conscientiously going through this process. And so I find whatever people choose, whether it be to pivot and and get another job or to start their own thing or to stay where they are they feel such a sense of empowerment and that sense of empowerment actually just gives them so much energy and the time they spent ruminating and obsessing and wondering that just create that goes away and creates space for just engagement in the life that they choose
0: Beautiful. And that's what we all want. We want to wake up excited
1: and be being engaged in our day in what we're doing. Exactly. And we don't want to look over our shoulder and wonder what if, because that thought is a life sucking thought.
0: <laughs> that's a good word for it. Life sucking. Exactly. Exactly. So if people wanted to work with you, how would they find you?
1: They find me on the internet. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, I have a website. It's laurenmalickcoaching.com. That's where most people find me. A lot of people also find me on LinkedIn where I try to offer articles, posts, um, other people's research about, you know, engagement at work and in life. So they can find me there at Lauren, just under my name. And from there, I offer all kinds of gateways to working with me. Some people just want to hear from me and, Sign up to my newsletter and just kind of keep the conversation going that way or engage with me on those medias Other people might want to work with me more closely um, And that's easily accessible through my website dropping me a note We start with an introductory kind of discovery call to see if we're a good fit And then I work with people who do sign up. We work together over a few months as as I walk them through the process and offer them all, all the program materials I've developed to kind of take them through these questions. And then from there, most people are on their way. Um, and some people re-engage for more coaching because they love the value that coaching brings to them in their life and the centering that it brings to them. And I also offer workshops. Um to people kind of on an ad hoc basis, but I've just recently offered a series of workshops on resilience during, you know, adversity and adverse times. And I'm hopefully drafting one up about optimism. Mm-hmm. So those are different ways that people can work with me.
0: That's wonderful. So just to change gears a little bit back, back to you, mm-hmm. um, what gives you the most happiness and fulfillment in your life or what things in the past have given you the most happiness and fulfillment?
1: Hmm. So it's funny because when I first started my journey, um, my coach asked me what, what brings you happiness? And the first thing I thought was my kids hiking, you know, those were the two I came up with. And I was like, Oh my God, that's it. You can't make money out of that. You can't have a job. What kind of job are you going to have? Hiking, right? And I was like, that's not a good answer. And so, I, you know, that kick-started me figuring out, yeah, but work-wise, what's going to make me happy? But it's funny because all these years later, I'd give you the same answer, really. What brings my life meaning? My family, spending time with them, watching my kids grow, hiking, being in nature, experiencing the wilderness, going camping. I mean, now my list is longer because I, I, I've broken it out farther, but it's like, yeah, going camping with friends and just being in the woods together. And now I'm actually really proud to say my work gives me so much meaning. Um, just working with people and moving with them through their journey, having people actually want to work with me Every time it happens, I'm like, this is crazy. Are you sure? (laughs) You know, it just makes my life so meaningful. Um, Having close friends and investing in those relationships and um, opening myself up to them in 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 a kind of a vulnerable way, deepening the relationship, having fun together, laughing together, the smallest most simple things in life that's what gives me meaning
0: beautiful thank you so much and Mm. thank you for being on the podcast today and sharing all your wisdom it's been really a wonderful conversation
1: oh thank you and thanks for being such a such an open listener and such a bright like face and person to talk to. It's been really nice to chat with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to and the and having the curiosity to talk to me.
0: Yeah, you're welcome. And any last words of advice? Hmm,
1: any last words of advice? I mean this is what's this is what's bubbling up, you know, I think I I know where it comes from and sometimes it comes up, but it is really that life is actually really short. And may we live to a blessed old age, but life is short, like squeeze every last drop, call your friends, call your mom, like love hard, live well, you know, give back, you know, pray, sing, watch the stars, Because before you know it, like, it's over. And if you don't enjoy the journey along the way, then what's the point?
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you again. I was going to
1: swear, but I didn't.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. So is that good? That's good. Amazing. Thank you very much. So any anything-